0: Welcome to MPs In Depth. Usually, when we see our representatives on TV or hear them on the radio, all we're really getting insight into is the party line. On this series, we hear about the people. Today we're speaking with Ginny Anderson, Labour List MP since 2017, based in Hutt South. Welcome, Jenny. Thank you. So I have to confess that I don't actually know a huge amount about you. So that does mean that I'm really looking forward to this, but it also means that I think we should probably start at, you know, kind of the beginning. So what was the 2017 campaign like?
1: Uh it was full on it was uh, it was a great campaign but it was incredibly uh hard fought in Hutt South and in, and very close as well so um yeah I worked I think the hardest I've ever done campaigning uh and it was incredibly exciting to become a new MP afterwards does it still feel exciting Uh, Yeah, it does. Well, uh, when you're in there, not when you're working from home, like I am now, I suppose. Um, But yeah, it does. I've always found it to be a huge privilege to be a member of Parliament and to um, be a representative. And and that, that buzz never wears off, to be honest. It's very cool to be able to be in there advocating for people and for what you believe in as well.
0: So what was it that made you want to enter Parliament in the first instance?
1: That is the most commonly asked question. And I have the thing, if there's one thing, probably it, it would be what I covered in my maiden speech, which is New Zealand's criminal justice system. And I think that it, it, we're on the right path now. But it's always my time in New Zealand police really let me see how much our system is broken and it needs to continue to change in order not to continue to make more criminals um, when we should be uh, on a better pathway in that space.
0: This is a little bit naughtier for me, but on a personal level, I'm really interested in that. I'm actually a volunteer at Rumataka Prison. What kind oh, of changes do. would you like to see in that area? Yeah.
1: Oh, A lot of those things have been started already by some of the great stuff that both Andrew Little and Kelvin Davis have, have put into place. And a big one for me has been mental health uh, treatment and facilities available in, um, in our prisons. And also uh, a big one is availability of drug and uh, alcohol treatment. Treatment services available for people in prison, and, and that has increased phenomenally over the last two years.
0: Oh, excellent! I'm glad to hear that. And that was that was always the goal. You mentioned it was in your maiden speech, so it's been a consistently. Important issue for you?
1: Yeah, I've always been really interested in, particularly how Maori are impacted by the criminal justice system and there's um, these some some really, you know, shocking statistics in that space in terms of reoffending rates. And I think that we have to look at how that's, what does that say about our system, and how can we continue to do better? So um, I, I think there's some uh, some excellent work going on that Kelvin's um, instigated, but there's still a long pathway to go before we can say that we're we're doing a job under the Treaty. To try and give everyone a fair go in, in the justice system.
0: What do you see as the biggest obstacles to achieving a good outcome
1: in that space? Is there anything in particular? I, I think there's there's a lot there and, and I think that's why it's such a complicated space because there's so many layers that contribute to, um, to those intergenerational uh, issues um, and I, I think a big part is... Um, Accessing uh, training and education is really important and making that available to everybody, um, no matter where they come from. So um, so small changes, I think, over time can add up to, to a big difference. But having things like more trade training, having um, availability of free tertiary education, making sure there's no barriers to people who want to make positive changes in their lives and making it, making those, those choices easier to make. I think they all contribute. Simple things like increasing the housing availability, Uh, the vast majority of those prisoners on remand are are there because they don't have a place to go to, a home. So by continually making housing more affordable and building more houses, it will actually reduce the number of prisoners that we have um, being held in custody on remand. So simple things like that also contribute to, to making a difference. It sounds
0: simple, but it's actually an incredibly lofty goal, isn't it? You've got a big battle ahead of you and that if, if we're looking at that whole cohesive picture
1: yeah, definitely, and maybe I've always been attracted to the most gnarliest of issues. Probably, if that, that sums me up. Easy, yeah, I don't like it, easy problems to solve. Maybe, and maybe that's what attracted me to the justice system. That, it, that there are so many issues there compiled into one space. But I think if we're a small country, and um, you know, just going through the, the whole COVID nineteen lockdown to see how well we can work together as a country when we decide we want to, it, it always makes me, I guess, be the eternal optimist that we can always do better in spaces like our criminal justice system and I just think about the kids I think about kids growing up in homes with you know either a mum or a dad or both or two mums or whatever who give them love and support and the right the right environment to thrive in and, and I think um, we owe it to the next generation to do the best possible in that space that we can.
0: That's, that's brilliant so if we step away from particular policy issues that you're interested in And actually, just look at the kind of general principles you're interested in. How do you identify? I could give you an example. I had a chat with Chris Bishop recently who gave me this incredibly staunch defense of market liberalism. How would you <laughs>
1: sort of phrase your own beliefs? Oh, that's interesting. Cause I remember seeing him um, saying that he laughed at, was it, was it libertarian principles or something? Liberalism. He said that that was jargon or something and something I was watching recently, which he got, it was interesting, but, um, oh look, I'm a socialist. I've always, I'm a, a, a strong socialist. I believe in, um, Uh, and that there's more good in um, people coming together. Um, strength in numbers and and I guess the, my philosophy in, is really encapsulated in, in a Maori prov, proverb and I'll try and say it correctly, it's um e hara taku toa te takitahi he toa takitini which is that basically you, you know you do better in a group than you do on your own um, and look I've come from a strong background, family background that was staunch in unionism my great uncle Billie was not just a unionist but sort of head of the Socialist Unity Party which was I think Labour would look too light for him. So so yes look I've never hid from the fact that I come from a strong left background and I'm, I'm proud of that. Labour almost
0: sounds too light for you using that kind of language. <laughs> I don't think many people in the Labour Party would actually come out and say listen I'm a socialist. Do you find yourself at the hard left of your party?
1: No, not at all. I think there's a lot of good socialists in there. I think that's what sticks us together so well. And that's what having great principles, you know, like having free education, making sure our hospitals are funded properly, giving people access to mental health, building more state houses than ever government has done before. I think we've got a good, strong bunch of socialists in there and I'm, I'm proud to be with them.
0: Oh, good to hear it. So do you think you personally have done justice to that kind of socialist movement during your, you've only had a couple of years in fairness, but do you think you're doing the socialist justice, cause justice rather?
1: Well, I I think working as in your electorate every day. You know, the work I've been doing around COVID-19 just to help people get food or accommodation or access to care for their kids with autism, doing those sorts of things each day that help people and give people a bit of faith in each other and enable them to get on with their lives. Yes, I do. I feel I do that every day and I I like doing that.
0: That must be an excellent feeling. What about the Labour Party in general? Are you, you know, a staunch defender of Everything they've done effectively during this term—that's uh, a big
1: question. <laughs> it is a big question. I, I'll narrow up
0: when you when you look at those broad principles.
1: Are they in line with what you've seen this government achieve? Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. Look, I, I have probably issues with the the, the, the sell off of state assets back in the eighties. I don't. I wasn't that that cool with that at all. Um, but under this Labor government, I, I have absolutely no no problem at, at, at being part of that brand.
0: Excellent. So. What's brought you here? And I mean that sort of what are the life experiences that have shaped these kinds of beliefs for you? You mentioned your family earlier.
1: Um, Probably the biggest one I would say is I travelled around quite a lot as a kid. Um, I didn't sort of stay put. I went to nine different primary schools. And that was because my parents were teachers in rural New Zealand. And I always kind of remember as a small person, not not really knowing, um, having kids come round to our house and I can remember them coming to visit my mum or dad and I can remember particularly mum being a bit tearful but in a good way and I couldn't quite understand why she was crying but sort of happy and it took me a while to figure out when I was older that they were children who had gone to uni or who had got a job and they were coming back to thank my mum or dad for... For changing their life, in, in one way or another, and, and giving them a chance to make a bit better of themselves, when previously they probably didn't have someone to give them that extra bit of confidence or time. And so, I guess that f- formed in me a bit of a a bit of a trust in humans. Um, that if if people are given the right circumstances, the right love and encouragement and opportunity, then more often than not, they take them up.
0: Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Particularly the impact that teachers have. Both my grandparents were teachers and I could not go visit them without inevitably one of their former students turning up at their house. No warning, of course, just to come and thank them and sort of see them again. It's just incredible. Those little rural schools, especially, I think. Yeah. yeah. What about after you became an adult? Did you go to university? You did, didn't you?
1: Yeah, I went to Canterbury University and I did a, a master's in um, a Te Reo Māori and um, political science, and I did my master's on the Ngāi Tahu settlement, which had sort of I'd, I'd grown up in and around that happening. That must have influenced your political beliefs.
0: Looking at that kind of issue.
1: Yeah, I've always, um, I've, I've always really enjoyed uh, learning Māori and understanding more about it in a New Zealand context and particularly the politics as well. Uh, and so, yeah, that opened the door really for me getting my first job as a negotiator for the Office of Treaty Settlements.
0: What about any other jobs you had? So there was treaty settlements, there was obviously police. I don't know much about your career, so do you want to give us a little sort
1: of overview of what you've been spending your time doing? Uh, well, if I start when I was like... 15 I worked in a supermarket for about four years so I, I saved and bought a house when I was 19 years old from starting out on three dollars78 an hour working in the delicatessen and countdown so I've always worked hard and I've always was, was brought up to work hard and and save your money and, and do well so yeah if, if you want to go right back to starting I, I've always worked as a young person and I always you know paid largely my own way through uni and being able to you um, yeah, to buy a house early on made a big difference in my life as well. Unfortunately, not a lot of people that age when I was 19 then are able to do that now, which is sad. I, so, yeah, Office of Treaty Settlements, I worked in, I worked as a private secretary for, for treaty negotiations and I worked in Parliament and uh, for Margaret Wilson and also for Mark Burton. Uh, and then I worked as a political advisor under the Helen Clark Labour government um, for David Cunliffe and for Trevor Mallard. And so that was pretty fascinating uh, over that time in working in in that environment. Uh, And then when in police, I sort of had about four or five different jobs in police. So I worked in a whole range of jobs over a a 10-year period. And then that was the last job I had before um, uh, entering Parliament. I was planning on asking you, you
0: know, coming from that background, did anything surprise you once you did enter Parliament? But it sounds like you must have kind of known your way around by that point, knew exactly what you were getting into. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, I had a good understanding of what Parliament was like um, from working in there in that context already. So, yeah, it was funny. Probably I went in there thinking I might, I might be interested in being a, an MP. I'll go check it out. And um, after being in there for sort of three or four years, I came away thinking, no, I, I don't reckon I can do it. I, I just think it's, you know, it's too cutthroat or too hard or too brutal in that environment. But 10 years in the public service under under national changed my mind. <laughs> do you think
0: you'll stick with politics in the long term or is this just something you want to do, you want to make some changes and you want to get out again?
1: Oh, it's always a hard question. there, there are things that I would really like to do, and I've already outlined some of those in terms of the criminal yep. justice. Those are the things I'd, I'd like to see some substantive change with in New Zealand, and I think I wouldn't feel satisfied leaving until some of those were achieved. Um, I, look, I always look up to Margaret Wilson. She was the first member of parliament, first minister I worked for, and she went into that place with a list, and when she got it done, she left. And I, I, I hold that up as a really good example of um, getting stuff done and moving on, and And, um, yeah, look, you don't know what's going to happen. It's depending upon the the good people of New Zealand and how they vote determines my future. And and I I leave it to them and work my hardest in the hope that you continue to get that mandate again but um, I think it's important to have a focus on what you're there to achieve and I think that makes you far more productive while you're in there.
0: Do you think generally speaking all your colleagues and I mean that across party lines do you do you have faith that the MPs of New Zealand are in there to tick the boxes to get the things done and then leaving again or do you worry that some of your peers are kind of career politicians? in the worst possible sense of the phrase?
1: Oh, look, it's hard. You know, there's a, you know, you've got a lot of different people in there from a lot of different backgrounds. I do believe that everyone is in there to make New Zealand a better place. And we might come from that in, in different perspectives. You might believe for different reasons, whether they are your political philosophies or your background. Um, so I do think there's a general sense that people are there to make New Zealand better. Whether or not they are doing that or not is probably for New Zealanders to determine whether they think that that's what's happening. I've seen people too be there for short periods of time, achieve a lot. And then there's people that have been there for a huge number of years. Just because someone's been there for a long time doesn't mean they don't still add value. Some of those um, MPs that have been around for a couple of decades actually provide some really good institutional knowledge for new MPs and they're good resources for new people like me to go to and, and ask how you do things. And, um, they also Do you have them- a bit of a mentor in Parliament? Yeah, uh, you know, to have a couple, yeah, whether they're in Parliament or outside, I've got probably MPs in and out who both are good people for a touchstone for advice. I think that's, that's incredibly important. Um, but what I was going to add is like the stories. They've got f- fantastic stories, you know, and people like whether it's Jerry Brownlee, Trevor Millard or Nick Smith, you know, Winston Peters, they've got amazing stories from New Zealand's history that they're able to recall. And, and I think it's important that new MPs are aware of the history that they're part of as well.
0: Do you have any favourite stories from your time in Parliament?
1: Oh, do I tell you? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, probably, but I don't know if I'm willing to share them. Some of them are probably a bit funny. Probably just I think things like seeing how the news is made—that's always fascinating. Like you, you're being on the inside. Yeah, so, so kind of seeing something start and thinking, oh, I reckon that might be on the front page tomorrow. That's looking like it's a big one. And seeing how something develops and watching its shape as different comments are made and the layers are put upon it and to see how that that is turned into news. I think that's fascinating. That's always what got me interested in seeing how that develops. Probably other things I shouldn't say that I do, though. well, When I was um, working in there in uh, election time, when you're a non-political appointment. Tea, there's not a lot to do over an election time, so there were some pretty funny ways of amusing people's uh, atten- attention over those times when basically the beehive empties out over the election period. I, I can imagine. So, there's some cheer after- surfing in the in the core of the beehive, which I had nothing to do surfing. with, of course. Of course, no. I trust you. I trust you. <laughs> there's roller kind of cheers. You can roll kind of surf on those. Yeah.
0: Once you do, once you've done enough, you're ready to to move on. Where do you think you'll head to? Is it back to the public service?
1: Uh, look, I, I don't know. I'm always happy to go back there. I enjoyed my time as a public servant, and if they if they still want me, I'd I'd always like it. Um, personally, I've always quite wanted to work in another country. Um, whether that would be as an NGO or doing some voluntary work, I don't mind. But uh, that that's something that um, I've always thought is on my list of things to take um, my husband and my kids and and, and go somewhere else and um, and help out in another country and sort of put your skills to use in a place. Where where they they're they're needed, Uh, maybe more than New Zealand even.
0: Yeah, well, I was about to say, speaking of your children, I understand you have four. I do. How could you possibly balance
1: that with politics? How do you manage that? Well, and you should also be asking, how do I do that right now from home while they're inside? (laughs) <laughs> for four weeks. Um, so look, you just do it. You know, you make do. They're good kids. And um, look, I was I was lucky enough that my husband worked, um, and I took a whole year off each of the the, the two that I, I've got two stepchildren and two of two of my own. Uh, and I had a whole year with each of my kids. And so I think when you have that really good connection and you stay in touch and you 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 can continue to engage all the time, even though you might be away for a couple of days. I think that means that you have a good sense of where they're at and you continue that bond. And and that's always been important for me.
0: So what does a regular day outside of isolation look like
1: for you? Well, it's very different whether you're in Parliament or not. So Mondays and Fridays in the electorate are very busy and you're dealing with either people that come into my office in Patoni or Inoue Mata and dealing with housing or uh, employment or immigration, ACC, you name it, anything that someone wants some help with or some advice, um, I can be working and doing that. I try and uh, drop my kids off and pick them up on Mondays and Fridays from school and take them to things like gymnastics or swimming. So I try and fit those things in whenever I can um, and I usually do that. Uh, and then there's lots of community events that you'd attend typically as well. But a Parliament Day is, is a lot different and I think that's what's quite nice. You can, um, you have a really a contrast in terms of what your job offers in Parliament is is probably the complete antithesis to working in the electorate. It's far more structured and, you know, you're required to sit for long times and select committee to do large amounts of reading, to be in the House, to speak on bills, to um, be in meetings um, and to learn about the legislative process and how best, you know, you participate as a member of parliament to make that work. And uh, and being in government probably has been a good thing for me because I worked as a public servant. And so I think those skills of knowing how legislation works and how to make things flow well uh, assists very well when you're a backbencher in government. It sounds
0: very busy, to be honest. Do you get much of a weekend?
1: No, I don't.
0: I'm sorry to hear
1: that. no that's all right I like my job and I like my life so I'm okay with that
0: good good well I was going to ask you what are your favorite places and things in Hutt South but I can't imagine you get I suppose there'd be community events and things but it doesn't sound like you get much time to go out for dinner or what have you
1: Oh, you still do. Yeah, we try and go out on a Friday night down Jackson Street, some um, amazing restaurants in Petone. And so, yeah, regular Friday night for us is, um, you know, to pick the kids up and go somewhere cheap and cheerful for for tea and and enjoy going out. We live up in Belmont in the bush. So lots of lovely bushwalks around Belmont Regional Park. So we do that regularly probably just going down to the beach, going down to Petoni Beach. We're all missing doing that a bit in lockdown and being able to go somewhere for a coffee and watch, watch the kids play and have a walk on the beach. Just simple, easy stuff like that, really.
0: No, um, Petoni in particular is just a lovely area. That beach is wonderful. So let's wrap this up on a on a very lighthearted note. I've got a few quick questions in front of me. Number one, do you have any
1: nicknames? <laughs> Oh, well, I suppose Jenny is kind of because uh, I'm Virginia. So, uh, no, not really. Oh, there's probably, so yeah, I'm quite short. So there's kind of like any any sort of derogatory terms about my height are are general nicknames. Um, But no, not really. I'm sorry. No, no, forgiven. Do you have any tattoos? No, I don't. I don't. I'm quite proud of that and why I've got none I've been very close a couple of times and I have got one in my mind but I've never done it yet I'm like yet plenty of time Jenny um what was the first elected
0: office you ran for and how did it go
1: oh head girl does that count I think there was some voting somewhere in there it was a while yeah. ago yeah I was head girl of Avonside Girls High School oh um, so it went well yeah yeah a, did yeah it went well i enjoyed it it was really good yeah so he he'd go of avon's side um and the principal at the time was marion hobbs and um she kind of got me a bit interested in politics i'd have to say
0: yeah marion hobbs would get you interested in politics lucky you um <laughs> speaking of your teenage self what would you tell 15 year old you about getting into politics
1: about getting into politics um I never got involved that early. So I guess I'm pretty happy where I landed. I don't know if I'd change, you know, I don't have any regrets in that space. I didn't get involved in student politics and I don't think I'd change that. I think it's important to have a good think about where you're going before you jump in. And and I definitely did do that. So I, I always had an interest and I, I waited a good while before I had life experience because I felt like I wanted to – offer something back before being involved i wanted to come to the table with some experience or some tools so uh, to be honest i don't think i'd change it if that sounds okay
0: (laughs) no that's good That's, that's a lovely answer what is your favorite new zealand music act
1: Ah, oh, the mutton Birds. I am a huge John McLaughlin fan. So I grew up listening to the mutton Birds and I, I can listen to his music again and again. And I, it's like poetry. I just, I love the instruments. I love the lyrics. I think they're wonderful.
0: Okay, final question. Would you ever do Dancing with the Stars? Definitely. I'd love to. Yeah, for sure. That is an excellent yeah. attitude. I was so hoping you'd say yes. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. Thank you very much for joining us, Jenny. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you.